Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama, and you're listening to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to a championship winning edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. That's right. We are claiming the championship of all podcasts, at least in the Big 12 region, for ourselves. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, Ryan Gilbert, the whole gang is on hand. And I'm here. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm right here. And so is the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, our sponsor. They've been with us a very long time. Um, I cheated on the fridge this weekend while in Arlington. Actually, we were in Irving when I did the cheating. Went around, slutted around, and found another liquor store and bought me some Woodford Reserve. A lot of Woodford Reserve. A lot of Woodford Reserve. I don't know why I bought that bottle other than the fact that the price point was, was much better than the smaller bottle. It was like much more alcohol for not much more money. Bang for your buck. If you remember the sample, mm-hmm. it looked like the prop bottle of whiskey yes. that we used on the table. It was uh, it was huge, seven five whatever, and it looked like uh, it. It was basically the size of my head. And if you know me, I've got a very, very big head. Okay, um, this is how this podcast works. You ask the questions at Wabash Station. Our subscribers get to ask all the questions, and we do the answering. But here's the catch. Here is the thing. If you're not a subscriber and you enjoy some quality television or a quality movie like Maverick Top Gun. Is it Top Gun Maverick or Maverick Top Gun? I think it's Top Gun Maverick. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the latest Top Gun. If you enjoy those things, right now is your time. Right now. And see, this was a special we didn't know was coming. It was an unplanned special because the Paramount Plus side of CBS Viacom started their special and then said, hey, you want on board? So... Basically, roughly 24-7 sports and Paramount Plus cost the same for an annual subscription. And one of the great benefits of being a full-time, excuse me, full-paying customer at GoPowerCat.com or 24-7 sports, you get Paramount Plus for free. So it's like two for the price of one. Well, right now, we have piggybacked onto Paramount Plus's special. It's 50% off a subscription, and you get both. Mm-hmm. That's it's incredible. I mean, I'm, we're not going to make any money, Zach. We're going to have to take, we're going to have to have a garage sale. But we hope you take advantage of it. So you come join us at gopowercat.com. Fifty percent off, and I believe it's upgradable. And it can't can't current monthly current, Mo- monthly. monthly. Yes, I believe I mean. monthly. If you're on a current special, sorry. Yeah. Thank you for your business. But if you're a monthly subscriber at GoPowerCat and you've been thinking, hey, I want me some Paramount Plus. And I want me full-time annual subscription. This is upgradable. Go get it at half price. Get your Paramount Plus. 1923, the latest Yellowstone prequel is coming this month. And as I mentioned, Top Gun Maverick will be the only place you can watch it. will be on Paramount Plus. I think that's December 22nd. Yes. Tulsa King streaming now. Tulsa King is also kick-ass. Can I say ass? Should I say ass sure. on this podcast? Okay. Didn't want to make an ass of myself. Okay, but yeah, all that's going on right now. Make sure you're subscribing. And our YouTube, we finally made it over 7K today. We did. We did. We went over 7K. Uh, Zach set the goal of 7.5, 7,500 YouTube subscribers. I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but my goodness, our YouTube videos are blown up. So if you're not subscribing to our YouTube site, please just subscribe. It doesn't cost anything. It just continues to boost our algorithm. Um, Like and comment. 
And share the videos yes, as well. Yes, like, comment, share, um, call your mother about them. Uh, maybe you want to grab some screenshots of me delivering a daily delivery for your Christmas cards. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but you could. Or just contact me and I'll send you something appropriate for your Christmas cards. Let's let's do a podcast now. It's gotten awkward. It's kind of awkward. Cole, you got the first half? I do. Here's Cole Carmody with your questions from Wabash Station. Onward we go. The first question comes from KSU Cat 2010. Does Kansas State win the Big 12 championship and have the same record if Adrian Martinez starts all season? Roll Tide! That's my only answer. Um, no. No. And I, I don't like to say that. It sounds like I'm... I'm being mean to Adrian. Will Howard was special. And there was a consistency about him and a tenacious tenacity about him. I probably saying that word. Wow. Uh, that really came through for K-State. Now I'm not going to go back up and say they would have beaten Texas with Will Howard. They had a lot of problems on defense in that game. Adrian Martinez didn't play defense. So, yeah, I I don't know. I'm... It, it, this is one of those exercises I don't see the purpose of, to be real honest. I mean, they are Big 12 champs. It worked out the way it worked out. It was a blessing. I'll be very intrigued to see how they're going to use the two quarterbacks in the bowl game because they will use them both. There is no chance they're going to go to New Orleans and not play Adrian Martinez in meaningful snaps. It won't be cleanup. won't be mop-up. Um, but uh, they also recognize that Will Howard's the guy. I mean, there's no doubt about it at this point. Will Howard is the quarterback. When you look at the schedule, I don't think that it's um, out of the question that K-State would get to the Big 12 championship with Adrian Martinez as the quarterback simply because, I mean, they beat Oklahoma State 48 to nothing. That means they didn't give up any points. All Adrian Martinez, what I had to do is kick a field goal. We know how downhill Oklahoma State went after the game. I think you can say pretty confidently K-State would have won that game with Adrian under center. Texas, I agree with you. It doesn't matter. You know, I get that they brought Adrian back, but again, you know, they didn't win that game. Then you go to Baylor. K-State gave up three points against Baylor. Simply by that exercise, I would think it'd be pretty fair to say Adrian would would get that win. And then West Virginia is West Virginia. Their defense couldn't stop a a nosebleed. Um, And then same thing with Kansas. I think if Adrian was back, they would have been able to. Now, I will say this. I think there was a complimentary facet, like Chris Kleiman talks about, with how Will Howard ran the offense that got the defense in tempo. And I, I'll be honest, I would have been worried at West Virginia that mm-hmm. the offense with Adrian Martinez wouldn't have been able to outscore West Virginia because they were in score mode. But it was with Will Howard. There was no doubt about it. I had no doubt K-State was winning that game because Will would respond. Adrian didn't give me that feeling this year. Um, And and maybe it was just because Adrian never had an opportunity to fully discover what type of quarterback he was going to be at Kansas State before the injury set in. I think it's it's easy to look at the defense and say, hey, the defense gave up no points. You know, they didn't need to do anything. But I think you got to give Will Howard in the offense credit, you know, leaving, you know, if they if they don't score, leaving the defense with good field position to be able to make the stop to keep zero points on the board Mm -hmm, or, you know, keep keep the other team out of the end zone, keep them from kicking field goals or keep them just kicking field goals. So I think there's a little bit of, like Fitz said, some com- complimentary football there that the offense under Will Howard had that maybe wouldn't have been present with Adrian. But I think that um, they probably do end up winning those games down the stretch. I don't know if they win the Big 12 championship game. I think that's a whole different issue because I think Will played – you know, just as he needed to. And I don't know if, if Adrian would have done that in the championship game, but I think getting there, it's not unrealistic to expect that they could have done that. None of you guys mentioned the Tulane game, and I think that's where the answer lies. I mean, putting up 10 offensive points with Martinez, we didn't see Howard do that low of a number in any of his real starts or even the games where he played in as a backup and then, you know, played as, as the number one quarterback. So that's really the answer, in my opinion. We didn't see any of that from Howard. We saw that from Martinez. Obviously, Martinez had some some great moments, but the lows were not that low with Howard. I get that. I just think when you look at the real Adrian Martinez, to me, came out against Oklahoma. That was his coming out party because he rolled it into the next week with Texas Tech, and they looked very good on offense in that game. Against Iowa State, I think it was, again, just kind of, 
you got to survive at that point. You know, it's the gaunt, the gauntlet of the Big 12. And, and on top of that, he gets hurt. So I understand where you're coming from, Ryan. But those two games against Oklahoma and Texas Tech, it was a completely different offense. It was like it was a revelation with not, with not only Adrian, but with Colin Klein, too. Yeah. I, there was nothing that happened this season with Adrian Martinez, to me anyway, that gave me confidence that if he would have been the guy, they wouldn't have ended up right where they were again who knows if they win the championship game it's not let's be honest it's not like will howard played an amazing game in the championship game you know going back and rewatching that game he did what he needed to do he was a great game manager he wasn't special but he did what he needed to do he didn't turn the ball over that kind of stuff so you know i i don't think i just think that they're different quarterbacks and the offenses look different that's honestly i think that's just the bottom line okay Next question comes from Adam K. 63. Did the Big 12 Conference market the conference championship game well? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about it. It was a fun atmosphere. It was well put together. It was it was cool. Brett Yormark came up before the game to talk to me personally. Just you. Well, I invited the other media guys along. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't I? How nice of you. I know. And I even let them stand in front of me. Anyhow, um... Yeah, I I thought it was really well done. The The key here was getting college game day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he had anything to do with that or college game day just simply looked at what, what actually played out. This was the most competitive, most important game in terms of, you know, head-to-head competition. This was going to be a good game. And TCU seemed going into the week needed to win that game to get in, but it turned out because of USC. <laughs> Choking out west that they uh, didn't need there. I'm not so sure that even though they lost that game, say USC wins, I think TCU's still in the playoff. They might be, just depending on how that game played out. Could you imagine? That would have been one heck of an interesting selection show if that would have happened. Yeah, yeah. But we'll see. Um, We'll see how it all um, goes in the future. But the TV ratings were phenomenal for this game. It again underscores what I've been saying. This conference plays an entertaining brand of football that people want to watch. They play games that people want to bet on. And um, it's not like, you know, superficial football. And the Big 12 played that. We're just going to score a bunch of points and have bad defenses. These are both teams that can put up points and have good defenses and are good in special teams. They were the two best special teams programs in the Big 12. And I don't think it's by chance that your two best special teams programs floated to the top because the the narrow the excuse me the the window between victory and and defeat was so narrow this year that maybe that was all the difference you needed was to put that extra effort into special teams. I'll be curious to see I understand that the Pac, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Pac-12 had a little bit higher ratings than the Big 12 did this year, right? Is that right, or was it the other way around? No, the Big 12 was pretty, Big 12 was yeah, ahead of the Pac-12. Yeah. Okay, so I, I wonder if a lot of that was due to the time slot and it being a Saturday as opposed to a Friday night. Um, I just think that if you put that game, say you flip-flop the SEC and the Big 12, and you play the Big 12 at 2.30, and you play the SEC at 11, I think the Big 12 would have the highest ratings out of everybody simply due to the time slot. If there's one complaint that I had about how they handled everything, it's that it's an 11 a.m. kickoff. I understand that, you know, we like 11 a.m. kickoffs as people in the media, but I think for the casual fan who just simply turns on the TV, you know, usually you do things in the morning, right? Typical person wakes up on a Saturday. If they want to get errands done, they get errands done. On Saturday morning, they come back around lunchtime, Okay, fine. You do finish what you need to do, and then you turn football on. And by that time, it's the second half of, of the K-State TCU game in this case. I think if they would find a way to put it in the late afternoon or even in prime time, then the ratings would be just a little bit higher. But you're right. The fact that they play a good brand of football makes it that people who are more than just casual fans want to tune in. I disagree with you because this was the college game day game and it goes straight from college game day into the kickoff of this I agree game. with yes. Granted, there is a channel change. You had to go from ESPN to ABC and that might affect a little bit, but not not really. It's the only game on. You're not competing with anybody. But that's five, six plus hours of coverage of one game. Essentially, I get that the preview show covers all of the games of the day and the Pac-12 championship recap the night before, but that's 
six hours of focus on one game all at the same time. I don't think you can ask for anything better than having your championship game, get game day, and go straight into the game. I think that having a lull between and having you know a night kickoff or, or whatever, you know, nobody cares about the the pack. Tw- there, excuse me, the ACC and the Big Ten championship games. I mean, they're at the same time. You got to pick one or the other. Um, well, the it's SEC, also because those games sucked. They sucked too, but yeah. also those. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather go first and have a great game and make all the others, you know, be ones that you want to turn off. Objectively speaking, like this was the best game mm-hmm. of the day. It was a yeah. top ten matchup in the country. So, and I don't it ended know if that up being the best. Zach game. or Cole's argument, maybe. Zach, just because this was the best game, it's not like this was, you know, number three against number 19. So this was the best game and and people did want to tune into it. I don't think the time of day really matters too much. It was just, hey, what else are you going to tune into at 11 a.m.? I mean, if you're a college football fan, you're tuning into college game day. Let's say let's say you're not a fan of any of the teams and you're, you're a college football fan. You are tuning into college game day. You're not tuning into big noon kickoff. Tune in to college game day, and you're going to watch probably the game that's on ESPN right after. That's for the regular season. I get that this one was on ABC. But if you're a college football fan, you're watching game day, and you're going to watch that first game. And it happened to be K-State, TCU, where they were at. I will argue forever. The 11 a.m. time slot after game day is the best spot for visibility, marketability that you could want as a fan of a program playing on that in that game. I agree. It, it's changed so much through the years. And there's still something about being in a primetime slot on one of the networks. <clears throat> Not ESPN. I'm talking you're on ABC or Fox or in other leagues, NBC and CBS. Uh, and particularly if you don't have a lot of competition. We did have a game week this year where all four networks were broadcasting a college football game. First of all, that doesn't happen very often. Second of all, that shows the value of college football, that they all had value in, no, we're not going to count a program. We got a good game. We got Notre Dame on NBC. Mm-hmm. You know, We've got the SEC on CBS. And so everyone put games out there. I, that was very intriguing when that happened. But you come back to this. The Pac-12 had USC, absolutely their biggest name. It, you had Michigan, which is one of the biggest draws for viewership, and it showed up even though they were playing a pretty mediocre Purdue team. That game was somewhat interesting into the fourth quarter. There was still a chance that Purdue was going to come back. You had Georgia and LSU, two of the bigger names in the SEC playing. And then you had Clemson in the ACC championship, and and really right now that's the only valuable brand in the ACC. Maybe Florida State, if they get their you-know-what together, would rejoin them. And then you had TCU and K-State. And I don't think anyone at this table or anyone in wearing purple in this conference is going to argue that those are one of the bigger names in the conference, at least right now. And yet the ratings were just behind just behind, if you if you stop looking at the millions, which is you know cool that almost ten million people watched, but if you look at the actual rating, the, the Big Ten and SEC had a five point five, the Big Twelve had a five point three, so it was really on the heels. And the next highest was the Pac twelve at five point one, no, at four point three, no, at three point three. So that tells you the kind of gap there was. That wasn't the Big Twelve came in third and the Pac twelve came in fourth that was the big 12 came in a very close third and the pac 12 was a distant fourth and and again i come back to this the tv partners have done so much injustice to the non-oklahoma and texases in this conference by consistently putting those two schools in Mm -hmm. every best time slot they have not built other brands out but at the end of the day it doesn't matter as much as what we thought and a lot of people think you still see it on twitter oh you and texas fans well we get all the ratings we you probably get half the ratings we do and that's not true at all we just saw it this was the highest-rated Big 12 championship since 2018, and that 2018 game was the dream scenario for the networks, Oklahoma, Texas. And it had higher ratings, yes, but it was less than 10% higher. And that's really the bump I see from the brand name. It's 10%, and that's that's built up through a reflex of all the years of those programs being on network TV and being in the forefront. And it's happened since the end of World War II, since the advent of television. Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas, 
Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, USC, UCLA, Alabama, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, LSU. These are all programs that have been on your television set since a television set was introduced in the living room. That's a lot to overcome. And yet we're seeing it happen because the type of football they play in this conference is so damn compelling. People want to watch. And that, that includes if if Kansas is playing West Virginia. They did that in week three. That was an incredible football game. So I'm just over the moon about the new 12. And next year it'll be 14, and the year after it'll be 14. 12 of those teams are in bowls. 12 of those schools are in bowls. It's incredible what this conference has come to be. The next question comes from Call Me T22. I don't want to. <laughs> I, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> what would a Big 12 title and a Sugar Bowl victory over, over Alabama do for the program moving forward? Well, first of all, I think we get a pet elephant if you beat Alabama. Isn't that how it works? I think so. You get a pet elephant if you beat Alabama. Can I say this? I, I think that the recruiting impact people expect and want with a victory over Alabama will not come in this upcoming class right if you no, think that beating alabama and you know i think it might be not be felt until the class of 25 to be completely honest because a lot of these kids in the class of 24 k-state is starting to get in with right but they're not the super super high targets that you know these alabamas and the ohio states of the world they already know who they're going to go after for 24 they've already planted that seed if you really want to start recruiting at a higher level and consistently get four-star recruits that's going to start in 2025. These kids that are already big-time prospects that come out and they watch, oh, who's Alabama playing? Nick Saban was just talking to me the other day. Oh, they're playing K-State. Oh, K-State comes out and whoops them. Well, then that might have a little bit more impact than you know the junior who's already gone on three unofficial visits to Georgia, LSU, and Alabama, right? Like, If you want to start recruiting with the big boys, that is not going to happen until – the class of 2025 i'm sure if we had um if we asked our own ryan wallace that question he'd probably agree with me but uh, i i think in general like beating alabama is huge and, and we talked about last year beating lsu in the texas bowl is big right sure but winning the texas bowl was more important than actually beating the opponent i think it's reversed this year i think beating alabama no matter who the coach is, is more important than whatever bowl game that you're in because at the end of the day, you know that Alabama is going to be competing for the playoffs year in and year out. They don't lose postseason games that often. And so for K-State to have a win over Alabama in the postseason is something that they will hang and they will talk about until Chris Kleiman leaves K-State. Agreed. Anyone else? Anyone else? I mean, Nick Saban's one of the best coaches in football, so it doesn't matter who his players are. It doesn't matter who opts out. If Chris Kleiman can beat one of the legends, that's a statement right there because yeah. they're backups. doesn't matter who's playing. That would be a heck of a win. Is he better, say, than the guy coaching the Denver Broncos? Probably. Yeah, just, okay. Probably. I want to see, and we've talked about this off air, but I want to see Nick Saban and Chris Kleiman line up and take a picture with all their championship rings. They're not going to bring their rings to the game, Cole. you got to get over this. There's no media opportunity where they can all line up, and the coaches, it's like boxing where they're looking at each other, except it's like the Jordan picture where they just hold their hands out and they get all the rings. Mm-hmm. Did Jordan I mean, win considering, rings? Oh. Considering the number of stories that are going to be written about this, because I'm certain that Kellis or whoever is going to write plenty of stories about, oh, this is, you know, back from 2018, a couple of dynasties are finally meeting each other at the same level. It would be I mean, cool. It's, it's a cool storyline, and I would love to see a ring picture, but like Fitz said, I don't think anybody's bringing those rings, so yeah. it's a shame. Let's text, let's text Coach Kleiman and tell him to bring his rings. I, I can't we can hold him in, We can hold him in the hotel room. I, I can't do that. This is a funny story because I had... Chris Kleiman's cell number from when he was at North Dakota State. And earlier this year, I texted something funny to that number. And the person replied, wrong number. <laughs> so either he doesn't want to hear from me or someone else has that phone number now. And he's getting texts from people that still think a football coach has that. Or he has two phones. Well, well who has his phone? Who? Yeah, he has two phones. And he's just, he telling, me wrong, he's just telling me wrong number because he didn't want to talk to me he doesn't oh, like you get out God. here i don't know what he does shut your mouth it's shut, 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 shut your mouth. he told me to shut my mouth <laughs> multiple times oh yeah it's it's yeah look i think this will have a play in recruiting cole's right it won't be this year i mean they're 
limited to on scholarships already. <clears throat> but this is part of the process. This is what I've been saying. You have to take these steps to get into these homes. You, you can do what Colorado did and go hire a coach that I personally don't think will work, but he's going to recruit at a high level. I think that's going to be one of the most glorious implosions in all college football history, but that's a whole different topic. For Kansas State, you got to just keep kind of creeping into the light. Get a little more visible, a little more visible. And this is why I think the 12-team playoff is so important for a Kansas State. If this game was part of, you know, if K-State was in the playoff, um, whether they would be one of the four conference champions who has a bye, which they wouldn't have been based on the final ratings. I mean, that makes the final ratings even more interesting in how they go about that. Uh, but Or they're just hosting. And and you you win the first game, and then you get – you know, just get waxed in the next round with a team that had a buy. So be it. You're on the big stage. And maybe that helps you get a couple more players. And then you're back there the next year and you get some more players. You've got to keep getting that exposure. Get, keep finding your way to get into the light. And pretty soon everyone's going to know you and think of you in many of the same ways. Because Chris Kleiman isn't going to go out and, you know, Jerome Tang it and all of a sudden be in the home of four and five star guys just because of force of personality and his association with Baylor basketball or whatever it would be. That's not how it's going to work. It's not how it's ever worked at Kansas State with football. You got to win. You got to build. You got to climb that ladder. There's no overnight success. You got to keep going up. And that's what Chris Kleiman's got this program doing. And I'll be very entertained to see if this translates now when you get to 2024, which is one season away. Now, weird to think about. we got next season, four teams, and then it's 2024. If they start getting consistently into that 12-school, 12-program playoff, the visibility of this program is going to go through the roof. You mentioned it, but we'll go ahead and ask the next question from Autumn underscore Cat. Can we expect a sizable recruiting bump from this season's performance and playing Alabama in the Sugar Bowl? Yeah, you know what? I There will be a bump. Um, and um, But I, I mean, we just saw a decommitment from a player, you know, and I can't explain that. Kids do what they want to do. I think what we'll see from this season is – Maybe a higher level, not that they've been getting bad kids to the transfer portal, but they might be able to identify even better players coming through the portal that want to fit into what Kansas State's football is about. Because now you, you watch these games and you realize, well, Kansas State football isn't just about their good team. It's about something, a culture. It really is. It's pretty obvious that there's something more going on than just winning football games with talent. And maybe some even higher level players coming through the portal will want to be part of that. And we're going to talk about that with the next question, but I want to touch on this too. I know I talked about it um, with the last question. If, you, if you're consistently trying to recruit the four-star recruits, then yeah, like I said, I think it's going to take some time. But if you want to beat out the teams you have been consistently losing to, that is why this game is important. The Iowa States and the Nathan Shieldhouses of the world that continually come down and absolutely kick your behind, that is why this season was important. For you to establish your dominance in the Big 12, for Oklahoma State, who K-State also consistently loses kids to, for them to just be absolutely imploding this year, that is huge. I mean, it has been the perfect storm when it comes to recruiting with all the surrounding programs. Now, Take KU out of this for a minute because I think they're going to start to uh, pick up their in-state recruiting and their local recruiting, so that's going to become an issue. But you're not going to you're not going to be losing kids as much now. I say that there's a very good chance the kid you talked about maybe ends up at one of these uh, ends up at one of these schools. But I, I think it's important because you are going to consistently start beating the Oklahoma States, the Iowa States, the Iowas, the Nebraskas. Not that they haven't be- been beating them before. They but, take their players. Yeah, there you go. The point is, you're starting to elevate your program in the Midwest, in this region, and I honestly think that is how K-State continues to win, is by recruiting those kids that the other schools continue continue to miss on in K-State, and K-State continues to get. I think that, you know, you look at this last class, you have Avery, four-star, that's a one of the biggest recruiting wins in a long time for K-State. 
But you look next year and seeing the success of, of this season, the Big 12 championship, playing in the Sugar Bowl, what it means, you know, maybe you get two four stars a year. You're not going to be landing 10, 15 four stars a year with, you know, a handful of three stars and maybe a five star here and there. It's going to take time, as it's been mentioned, to kind of ladder up. You know, I think that getting Avery was was this huge win for K-State on the recruiting, you know, landscape of things for the rankings, stars, whatever. But if you keep winning like this, those types of guys are going to be more frequent and they're going to come here more often. So I think that, you know, it's going to take time, but it's already on the process of going up. I agree. And obviously this season's going to be big no matter what happens next season. But if next season K-State goes out and goes 6-6 six and six and plays some, you know, Vanderbilt in a bowl game or something, does this season really get remembered as yeah. greatly if, yeah, as if K-State goes out and makes a, a New Year's 6 game or even the Cotton Bowl or something next year? You always remember a conference title, but if you Baylor this thing, win the title and then go to 6-6, six and six, it's going to take a lot, of, a lot of shine off that trophy. Yeah. Yep. The last question of the first half comes from TDE67. Does this Big 12 title have a bigger impact on the transfer portal pickups or the high school recruiting class? This is a great question, by I, the way. I think it's the portal this year. I do. I do, too. I do, too. I, I, and it wasn't that they just that they won, but the visibility of the product and the quality of the product the, on both sides of the ball, I, I think, would be attractive to someone in the portal. But K-State runs the portal different. They, they're, they're not out there looking for the former Alabama player. Or they want guys that fit into their locker room, period, end of story. And, you know, maybe those come from the SCS level. <clears throat> I don't know what they're going to find out there, but uh, they're going to bring in some good players. And I, I'm I'm fine with this year the transition being um, – you know, they've got a few guys they still want from the high school ranks, but just go get portal guys, they, particularly if they're sophomores or, you mm-hmm. know, they, they got, you know, we're, we're seeing the end remnants of the COVID years now that guys still have a bonus year out there. So I just saw a guy was going to be a graduate transfer with two years to play. If you can get a guy like that, that's tremendous. So what I think is interesting is that, you know, my prediction, not necessarily a prediction, what I could see happening with this group is instead of really hitting the transfer portal super hard, there's a lot of these seniors that can come back for their extra year of COVID that say, huh, we just won a Big 12 championship. I've been here all this time. This is what I've worked for. We're one step away from maybe doing it again and making a college football playoff and taking that next step. We saw TCU do it. We beat them. I could see a lot of seniors saying, you know what? I want to come back. I meant, I meant to include a question. Yeah. Sorry to whoever asked it, but it did talk about speculating on who you think might return for a super senior season. So we can kind of get into that there if you guys want to go there. I, I, I do. I mean, not necessarily individual people. Sure. But like, let's just use a, a Malik Knowles for an example. You know, I, I would never have thought in a million years I'd be saying the sentence that I think Malik Knowles would maybe try and come back for a super senior season. But if you're a Malik... Seriously, realistically, when you talk to people around the NFL and you find out that, hey, I can probably play in the NFL, but if I stay one more season with a quarterback who's likely going to be potentially um, the the quarterback on on the first team, all big preseason, all big 12, we've seen a guy, he's thrown 15 touchdowns and two interceptions this year. You look at Malik, he's benefited greatly from having Will as his quarterback. Do you think about saying, I want to have one more year to where I can put on film with a really good quarterback to potentially go play at the next level, along with maybe staying and having a lot of team success. I think that is the type of guy or you throw in an Echo Boydo. That's another one of those guys who I've said before. It's like they're so close. They're on the cusp of potentially making the NFL. Now they've had all this team success. Maybe it makes them want to stay. And so I do think that the portal pickups or to answer the question will be more impacted because those are the more of the instant impact guys. But in this case, I'll say that honestly, winning the big 12 probably has more influence on having your own guys that want to stay. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the four guys in the transfer portal this year, and I don't mean this as an insult are there's, there's no tangible loss here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy for Jaron Lewis. Go, go get you 
a good senior season. And I don't know what level that'll be at, but go have fun, man. You paid your dues here, and you, you played a role, and you helped the program through some rough times. So I'm happy for some of these kids. But, yeah, I don't. I think they're going to bring in some portal guys. And honestly, be cold-blooded about it. They've probably got some more guys on this roster that are going to end up in the portal more by the coaches' choices than theirs. Mm-hmm. That's the way it works now. I still think that there's probably some guys on this roster that you can look at and say, hey, you're the Eli Huggins of the year. You're our best signing of the class mm-hmm. that, that's come back. So I think that um, getting back kind of the question about transfer portal, transfer portal versus high school, it's, it's going to be the portal. But if you look at the guys that were on the field that won this Big 12 championship for K-State, and even just in the, in the for the season, you have Adrian Martinez, you have Julius Brents, you have Josh Hayes. You have guys out there on the field that helped you win this championship. So I think that this further proves the portal works, but you got to find guys that fit your locker room and can fit into the system that you want to want to want to use. Because like a guy like Josh Hayes coming from the FCS level, you know, he went, went to Virginia, but yeah, you know, yeah, fair enough. What I, I mean, initially, yeah, my bad, um, but. Did I really screw that up completely? Yeah, you did, but that's okay. We're just gonna go. Who came from? Who came from? No, he did, but Cheatham played it. Cheatham okay. played Cheatham. Preview. Preview. The, right. the farm system of Kansas State. Yes, Preview and him. Uh, wow. Um, but my point is that it works, and it doesn't matter what level of football these guys are playing at. You, you take a Josh Hayes. You bring him in. He was a great cornerback at North Dakota State. He goes to Virginia. Doesn't play much for. Honestly, a bad program, um, which turned out to be a bad program. And he comes to Kansas State, and oh, by the way, we're going to move you to safety. You've never played that before, and he turns out to be really good. I mean, that's just bought in. It had been easy for him to say, I'm not playing safety. I didn't come here to play safety. I'm a corner. But he bought in. So they continue to find those guys that buy in. It didn't work on every level. They had problems at linebacker that were all because of washouts from the portal. Um, And uh, they're going to have to do a better job from top to bottom with this portal class. Do you want to hear my one bold prediction on a player that nobody's talking about that might come back? And I'm going to give you the reason why. Daniel Green. No. No. Hear me out. Daniel Green was hurt for pretty much the entire season, Mm -hmm. right? You agreed with me before the season, and we all sat here and agreed that Daniel Green is an NFL linebacker. Right. Is it fair to say there might be some questions regarding that right now? Uh, No. Not with Daniel Green. I think that's really, at the end of the day, what it matters. I think Daniel knows he'll play at the next level. And you're right. Maybe he would have been a draft pick coming out last year, and he won't be this year. But your clock's running, man. What is there to prove at this point? Yeah. And I understand that. But, like, again. That's why I don't think. I think Malik, same way. Malik sees himself as an NFL receiver. I don't necessarily agree with that. But if that's what you believe, then go. Go do it. Um, I'm, I'm kind of weird about this. I, I, I think your commitment is to your team as long as you want to uh, be part of it, you know, in terms of seasons. I, I hate guys that sit out for bowl games. Now, I understand if it's a meaningless game, but if you're at the level like Alabama where the Sugar Bowl is meaningless to you, that's more your problem. That's, that's rich football tradition problems. And But, I, you know, I think there's – there's guys on this team that need to come back. There's guys in the team that need to go. Cooper Beebe, mm-hmm. go, man. I know you want to play with your brother. I know you love this. Offensive linemen have a shelf life. Go get your money. I mean, because it's life-changing money if you do it right. I just will be fascinated to see if there's any players that want to come back and the coaches say no. Oh, yeah. There will. You know what I, I mean? Yeah. And Out of I'll the be, ones that have a chance to play in the NFL or just in general? Uh, probably more just in general than the ones that yeah. necessarily have a chance in the NFL. But um, I do believe – I really think that we're going to have somebody that's going to come back and we're going to be like, what? Why are they coming back? Because we think they would go play and that would be your Eli Huggins type yeah. returner. So I, I think winning the Big 12 does that, to be completely honest. Yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, people brought up on the message board, Christian Duffy might be doing that which would mean he will have started 7,000 straight games. <laughs> um, it's kind of impressive. Hayden Gillum. Hayden Gillum might. Seth Porter with special teams seems to be someone that he would love to have to come back. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Nick Allen, maybe? I'm not sure. So it, it won't be quite as impactful as Zentner and Huggins, but they can be really valuable pieces of this team. 
That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. That was a podcast all of its own. Why? Because I sometimes don't shut up, but I'm going to do it right now, right after I say Fridge Wholesale Liquor. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe. The leaders in K-State sports coverage will be right back with more of the Powercat podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. And folks, I've got breaking news from the beer portal, where the beers end up at the fridge. Our friends at Manhattan Brewing Company, downtown Manhattan, created uh, a sour. Now, look, I'm not a sour guy, but some of you might like it. It is a tangerine cascade dry hop sour called Tang Party. It's the Jerome Tang alcohol selection. It's now canned and available at the fridge. Or just drop by our friends at Manhattan Brewing Company. They have it, too. But, man, Tang Party. That's a great name for the beer alone. Is he officially involved in it? I don't know if he gets anything from it, but they're sure as hell using his image in this ad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I know. But, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's like being married. You just do stuff, and if you get in trouble later, okay. You, you deal with that. But maybe you get away with it. Like this shirt I bought. I got, I got away with that. I didn't ask. That's how I live on the edge. Hey guys, I, I almost—they uh, almost trusted me with jury duty uh, today, and then they realized we can't—we can't do that. You can't have criminals sitting on the jury. I, you know, it was an aggravated assault, and I probably just would have yelled, "I would have whooped that ass too!" And then, then I would probably gotten in trouble with the judge. So I can't do that. Anyhow. Speaking of whooping ass, that's what we're doing on this podcast, and someone's going to read a bunch of more questions from Wabash Station. I don't know who. Someone do it. The first question of the second half comes from Power Cat Ryan. Some, hey, that's me. No, no, it's not. It's my burner. Someone lo- somewhat lost in all of the celebration of the Big 12 championship is the fact that K-State wins 10 games in the Big 12 title and is coached by a guy not named Snyder. How much will that help with recruiting, fundraising, and overall respect from the college football world? Well, there's a lot of people out there um, that it said it'd only be done by Bill Snyder that are like, oh, no, I was wrong. Maybe they're not admitting, oh, it was a fluke. Ten wins was a fluke. I mean, he just came in and did something that is incredibly hard to do. I don't want to call out another coach in this conference who apparently can walk on water. Who might be actually. Or across a really nice bridge. I don't know. Or or who might actually be looking at another job. Really? Purdue. Oh. Shout out to uh, King Jim. Interesting. Very interesting. Who is this Jesus we speak of? Uh, He's from a a soup conglomerate. His name is Cat Mamble. Okay. Yeah, I'm familiar with Cat. That that guy, uh, you know, is is worshipped and highly thought of and hasn't ever won 10 games. And neither has the program at which he coaches. And Chris Kleiman just did it in year four. I mean, it's it's a huge accomplishment. And it does blow away everyone who said... Only one guy could do it in little old Manhattan because Kleiman's doing it with a lot of similarities to Bill Snyder and also some differences. But the core philosophy about the type of people you bring in, the type of locker room you foster, um, all of those things is so important um, to both of those coaches. 
but he's, you know, he's a different approach. We all recognize a different approach he has despite that. So it's working. Different style is getting done in Manhattan. You know what the sad part is? There's probably still people around the country that didn't know that Bill Snyder wasn't the coach at K-State. It could be. Like, I wonder how many people tuned in on Saturday who hadn't watched a single down at K-State and was like, huh, uh, oh, Snyder's not the coach? It's quite possible one of them is named Stephen A. Smith. No kidding. <laughs> so, honestly, in all in all fairness, like, idiot. there's a lot of people that turn on a Virginia Tech game and be like, oh, what is his name? Frank Beamer? I'm surprised he's not the coach anymore. He's been retired for how long? I don't even know. Fuentes isn't even the coach anymore. I know. They're on their second coach. Yeah. So, it's like, there's a, <laughs> I would understand, like, you know, if you're just playing... I think it does. To answer the question, it 100% helps K-State. And I don't know, you would have a better idea on the fundraising, but goodness gracious. If you're an alum, they're putting up this beautiful practice facility. They're building the volleyball center. You know, they're getting things done around K-State. I, I, I was here. My dad came down and visited me, and I kind of just showed him around. He hadn't really seen all this new stuff. And, you know, it's it's... It's pretty remarkable. We, I think we kind of take for granted sometimes the, the nice facilities that K-State has to work with because you go look at some of these other Big 12 schools and it's like, wow. Like for what K-State had to now see what they have right now, shout out to everybody involved in that because it, it is really impressive and this one helps that. I agree. I agree with all that. Brian Gilbert, um, you got anything to say? Like, I feel like we've answered this question in a roundabout way like three different times about what the game did. And the championship did. But this is about getting the Sugar Bowl, 10 wins. Getting 10 wins and recruiting. No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly I mean, with everything. I feel like... Not t- half-heartedly? Full. I feel like the whole 10 wins thing is just kind of lost because... It is lost. That's true. It, 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 we don't really... And I've seen nobody really mention it, but you know, when you compare him to other coaches in the conference and how quickly he was able to do it, it's extremely impressive. And quite frankly... I would expect Gene to back a Brinks truck up to Chris Kleiman's house this offseason because, you know, his name maybe came up for the Nebraska job and that was it. But will there actually be a Brinks truck? I Why doesn't he just give him a blank check? That'd be Ooh. probably a little easier. Will you Brinks truck, blank check? Um, anything else you want to say about this? I think Chris Kleiman, if you gave him a blank check, is an honest enough of a guy that he wouldn't go overboard with it. He might take like an extra million bucks or something, and that's it. I would agree with doing that. K-State a favor if that's what he did. <laughs> He'd probably be like, I've seen the budget. <laughs> yeah. The next question comes from AmeriCat. What is the most important thing this staff and team will need to do in the next 12 months to, su- to sustain success? There you go. Sustain success and not have a letdown year. You got to continue to find guys that fit into the the whole family thing. I mean, you can't just drop a guy in because he's a four-star running back, hypothetically saying, and drop him into that locker room and not expect some fallout from selfishness, you know, fallout from attitude, fallout from a disruptive parent. Uh, so that's just continue to, you know, worry about that locker room and go find playmakers and everything will be okay. That's the thing that this staff has done. Bill Snyder 2.0, he got growingly more and more interested in recruiting good people at the cost of even being a good football player at times. And now we're seeing this staff kind of elevate the effort to find really good people, but they're also really good football players. And that's remarkable. And they got to try to keep that up. Complacency is the biggest question. There's the biggest resounding answer for me. I don't think that happens with Chris Kleiman. I don't think so either because he is, again, a man who's known how to win national championships. If you don't get complacent after winning a national championship and continuously win them year after year after year like he did at North Dakota State, I agree with you that he won't get complacent, and I don't think he'll let the team get complacent. But that's always the biggest worry after you have a big season is how do you avoid complacency, especially in college football. When we see teams like Clemson, where this seems to happen every time you know they come off of a big season, and I guess in this case last year they didn't exactly have a big year, but um, yeah, I think complacency would be would be the biggest answer for me to avoid complacency. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And I you think- got you got to realize there's more to college football than winning a conference title, right? If you want to be the best of the best, you got to go win it all, right? And obviously that's a lot to say, but you can't get comfortable with winning a conference. I think it's continuing to focus, maybe not 
on the next 12 months, but what the next 12 months are going to do for the next 36, 48 months and continuing to build. I mean, figuring out what you're going to do to replace Deuce Vaughn, what you're going to do to replace Felix Sanudike Uzama. It's not necessarily going to be a, a quick fix, a 12-month thing. You're going to have to continue to, to build, and whether that's you know someone that's already on your roster or somebody you need to get in the portal or somebody you need to get as a high school recruit. And I think it's probably more high school recruiting in that aspect and trying to get these guys that, you know, are still guys that are, are gyms, kind of some diamonds in the rough that aren't really wanted by other programs that K-State can still capitalize with. Because I think that that recruiting pitch to a guy that's like a, a Deuce Vaughn that doesn't have any offers, and you can point at Deuce Vaughn and say, hey, you can be him, or, you know, regardless of the position, you can be that type of guy. I think that that's what K-State still, you know, can take advantage of over these next few months. Fitz, I'm going to ask you a question. You you were with me in agreement that VJ VJ Payne had an outstanding game. Yeah. If without looking up who recruited him, you would probably tend to think he'd fit the K State mold of the teams that they typically beat. Right. Uh, that actually would be incorrect. And okay. this is the type of player that K State can start to get on a consistent basis. He had offers from Arkansas. He had offers from Vanderbilt. He had an offer from Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, and USC. So that's who K-State beat for VJ Payne, and it was a it was a big it was a big get, obviously. Yeah. So I mean that is the type of kid that K-State can get. Now, was there mid majors that were interested in him? Sure. I go and I look at a kid like Jake Clifton, another one of those kids who K-State can win, right? Minnesota, Missouri, Illinois, Washington State. He chooses K-State. Those are the type of programs that they can consistently beat out, and they need to beat out to be successful over the next 12 months. Agreed. I agree. They they need to continue to elevate that recruiting level, and I think we're seeing them do that. I, Avery Johnson's a perfect example of that. Yep. Uh, the next question comes from CW Powercat. How many future head coaches do you think are currently on the K-State football staff? That's a great question. It really is. I think we've had this before, too, but... Colin, eventually, I would imagine. Connor Riley, I would imagine. Van Malone, I would hope. Maybe Joe Klanderman. Um, that, that might be it. But I mean, that's a good majority of your staff. You know, you got pretty much all your positions taken care yeah. of besides running back receiver. I mean, that's, that's pretty dang good. I, I hope Van Malone gets some interest in this cycle. I mean, I know people have kind of linked him to a good fit at UAB. I think he's a great fit at Jackson State. That's a great point. Um, I have tried to pass on a message to Eric Harper at UNLV about well, Van Malone. Well, they already hired their guy. So yeah. who did they end up with? Barry Odom from the old Missouri coach. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. I'm a little surprised with that, honestly. Mm -hmm. I thought maybe they'd go a different direction. Um, North Texas might be a good place for Van. I just think he's he's overdue. Not ready. He's overdue. Um, but, you know, it just comes to being at the right place. He was at SMU, and that didn't work out, and then he moved on. You know, now he's won a conference title as associate head coach. I think you're going to get some interest. I, I hope he does find something. So I, I do think there's a number of head coaches. Who's first to get a head coaching job? Well, I mean. Colin. I, I think it's probably Colin. Obviously, it would be Van if he gets hired because so that's too. going to be in the next year or two. Um, yeah, I think if K-State has, you know, next year if K-State replicates the offensive success they had and it's more consistent, you know, Will Howard might just um, get people some jobs. Oh, my. How his marketing has changed in a year. I just cannot see Colin Klein. Two months. I just mm -hmm. cannot see Colin Klein leaving without coaching a down of Avery Johnson. No, I agree with you. So, I don't think it'll yeah. be anytime soon. Mm -hmm. But Colin moves on. I think Connor Riley becomes offensive coordinator. I think Joe Klanderman will get his shot. Um, but, yeah, it's it's very intriguing how, how much talent. Is this like the Snyder 1.0 staff? No. I mean, I mean, you had Levitt and Stoops and Stoops and Venables and Mangino and Demel. That's incredible, guys. And then, if I recall, the other guys were mostly older guys mm -hmm. that, you know, were brought in for experience, like Bob Cope. But... Yeah, I think there's going to be head coaches off the staff. No doubt about it. How about we take it a step further? How many players on this current team can be coaches? 
or I guess will be coaches. I'll be fascinated to see what Adrian does because yep. I don't think he's an NFL guy. Um, I don't think he has the arm anymore. I think he did, but I think whatever he had done to his shoulder didn't work out the best. Um, Cade Warner. <clears throat> both of those guys could be coaches or commentators. Yeah, Cade's got the nice end, obviously. Yeah, so I, both of those guys have a future in football, but what it's going to be, I, I'm not sure. Things just didn't work out for Adrian, so I feel like he's going to have unfinished business, and obviously you're not good coach. enough to play in the NFL. No more eligibility. You might as well coach and try to win that way. I think he'll. I think he'll pursue. He'll try and play. I think. Well, I think yeah. he will. But, but. Uh, <laughs> well, we said the same thing about Skyler last year. Let's be fair. This is true. true. Very true. I will make the prediction again, saying that Adrian is closer to Jake Waters than being a quarterback in the NFL. I think that's fair. I, I do, and I, I also will say that I think that Adrian Martinez is more of the NFL type of quarterback that teams are looking for than. Jake Waters was at that time, but that's now, the, another now there's another story. coach on this pl- player on this team that we know wants to be a coach. You know he wants to be a coach because he's trying to finish up his degree, and that's Cooper Beebe. True, because oh. he wants to coach, so he needs to get in his teaching. And but how long will he play in the league? Five, ten years? I don't know. That changes a lot of stuff. But when you're at that level at that point, maybe you just end up. Coaching in the league. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I'm not sure. Coaching in college and not high school. Yeah. So I, I think there's some dudes on this team that will be coaches. I mean, the Porter boys yeah. seem like coaches. Mm-hmm. Yep. Next question comes from El Camino Cat. How do you think the Big 12 and future members – future members – I can't talk, can't talk today. It's a, a small part of a podcast. How do you think they'll do in the bowl games? I don't like a lot of the matchups. I think KU's going to lose. I'm just going to say that right now. I didn't. I liked that matchup when it was Missouri a lot, and I don't like it when it's Arkansas because they were they were pretty good. They were pretty good, year. and plus it's going to be a home game for Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Basically, if you want home games on a crappy stadium, um, who does UCF play? I don't even. I'm looking at the bowl schedule right now. Yeah, I don't even have it in front of me. That, that one caught me off guard. Texas Tech, Ole Miss. That's not going to. That's not, not good. I don't like that at nope. all. Um, Although tech is sneaky good at times, yeah, I just I can't I can't see that. Oklahoma happening. State doesn't have a quarterback now. No, they got some issues, don't they? they? Got, They're going to get destroyed too. I I just don't know what's going on at Oklahoma State, but I think that thing might be coming apart at the seams right now. And unfortunately, we have to include Texas in this against Washington. I think they'll win. I really think. Well, I think Texas is a good team. I think yeah. I, I think Texas will win that game. I, and I and I think Oklahoma can beat Florida State. I know Florida State has a really high ranking. But I don't think the ACC is any good. Just like I don't think the Pac-12 is that good. Oklahoma versus Florida State in the in the Cheez-It Bowl. It wouldn't surprise me if the Sooners lost. But that seems like a team that is kind of motivated. Like they know that they had a pretty terrible year. And if Brent Venables is worth a damn, he's going to say, hey, we're going to use this game for next year to continue to build. So Right. And they got better as the year went on. Mm-hmm. After, after K-State clowned them and derailed them. Didn't clown them. Beat them. Stunned them. It's Oklahoma State they clowned. I think I think K State broke both Oklahoma schools this year. Yep, I do too. UCF plays Duke. It seems like a UCF role yeah, to me. I, I agree. I mean, they they were not a bad team this year. They had some interesting games. But Unless algebra breaks out, then I'm going with Duke. True, true. That's in the military bowl. Yeah, that's well. I mean, if if, every, that if one team has Annapolis? a tank and the other team has like a. Like an aircraft carrier, I'm going with the aircraft carrier. I don't know how the military bowl works. If you get actual weaponry, in there. this has to be one of the the weirdest games where you have one of the biggest schools in the entire country versus one of the smallest schools at that level in the entire country. Oh, but we're from Duke. We have Duke. I'm degree. really Gates. <laughs> <laughs> we need to bleep that name out. Yeah, uh, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, like we mentioned. Wisconsin's bad. They lost their quarterback. Oklahoma State's bad. They lost their quarterback. Who's going to want to watch that game? Oh, my goodness. Degenerates. 9-15 on December 27th. Oh, who's going to watch that game? We're probably going to watch that game. We're watching that game somewhere. Yeah, we're probably going to watch that game. As Zach and I share a bed because we don't. I don't want to talk about it. We're working on it. Okay. My God. Zach, did you want that out? We'll get get him a blow-up mattress. Thank you. Uh, Do we count Missouri in this? They play Wake Forest. Hang on. We We got one question. One more question About regarding Missouri. Oh, okay. Why All don't right. you ask that? Okay. Well, the last one is Houston versus Louisiana. 
I have no idea if Louisiana is any good, but it's a home game for Louisiana because they're literally playing in Shreveport. The Independence That's Bowl? That's not – Louisiana's in Lafayette. They aren't in Shreveport. Okay, but it's in the same state. But it's not literally. No. Yeah, you, you, you took said literally, literally. You took literally way too figured. Oh, oh and, and Baylor. <laughs> Baylor. Baylor plays Air Force, too. Is that a home game? Hold on. It is, is in, it in like the middle of the so air. So there's a military like the bowl, and Baylor's actually playing the military? And they're playing in the armed so forces. That's the armed forces. There's the military, and there's the armed forces. Why don't we have a third one? So they like, can only play with their arms? Yeah, but forcefully. Yeah, okay. it's fine. Yeah. But the Air Force, that game's going to be up in like an airplane on top of a... Just, oh, this yeah. podcast is going off the rails. Okay, the last question comes from KSU number one. How does Mizzou get away with dictating that they won't play KU in a bowl? Well, because... The SEC is the only conference that assigns their schools, and I kind of like it. I kind of like that the SEC says, "No, we're just gonna we're gonna put the teams in the bowls that make the best sense in in terms of geography and records and matchups." and And I think Missouri called up the SEC and said, "Please help us. We don't want to play Kansas because they'll kick our ass. Mm-hmm. We don't want that on our shoulders." Cowards. They went to a crappy bowl game, and maybe that's the way it shook out because they were six and six. What's Arkansas? I don't even know. Six and six. But the Arkansas, I I think Arkansas is a much better team. Yeah. Well, Missouri's actually playing the better team in Wake Forest, which is kind of ironic that they get to play against a team that's better than KU. I don't. But it's also that. great for Arkansas to get to play in the Liberty Bowl because they love, for whatever reason, that bowl game. Well, it's just across the river. It's just across the river. You just. Cross a big bridge, and all of a sudden, you're in a whole new world. Yeah, I, I, I want to say this. I don't think Wake Forest is better than KU. I, I will take almost any Big 12 team over the ACC. I mean, you just go back and rewind it and look at how competitive a bad West Virginia team was with Pitt. Pitt didn't turn out to be great this year, but I just think the How ACC bad did Wake Forest get if we're having this discussion? Yeah, Wake. How bad did, did they tank after the Clemson game or what? Apparently. Apparently. Hmm. But all I know is K State is three and a half point underdogs to Alabama. KU is a three and a half point underdog to Arkansas. That's very interesting. Surely Arkansas's got more players active in that game than Alabama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would think so. We still don't know about Alabama. We don't know where it's going. I haven't I've been kind of caught off guard by the number of Alabama players in the portal. 11 mm-hmm. at this point? Starters. On their site, yeah. Some starters. Where, where is there to go? What, what mean, exposure do you need? What NIL money do you need? That, You're already that, at Alabama. That's exactly what I'm asking myself. So that tells me maybe they just don't like the program in Saban, which I find a little bit – I know he's Snyder-ish, old school, but – Hey, hey, anybody talks to them, you coach with them. You got some skeletons in his closet. He ain't God. They ain't the God that you think he is. Let me just ask you. We were on the uh, Sugar Bowl preview, whatever, the introductory yeah. conference. Did he look just totally disinterested in being Absolutely. He, mm-hmm. It was annoying. He just looked dour and down. And, um, and, and really what was amazing to me is they were off this weekend. And he knew he was probably going to the Sugar Bowl, and everyone knew Kansas State was going to the Sugar Bowl. I can tell you with 100% certainty in that same circumstance, Bill Snyder watches that game. He does not care. He doesn't care. I don't know if it's just indifference about um, this bowl game and the end of the season because it doesn't mean anything. They're not in the playoff. or an indifference towards Kansas State, but I, I was really put back by Saban's whole demeanor in that press conference. That just, I, it bothered me. I don't know what it is. Saban seems like the get-off-my-lawn type. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like kids having fun. Go buy some Aflac. But does Dion now get that entire contract? Because they brought in Dion as the number two Aflac pitch guy, and maybe he's going to be more important for Aflac. These are the important... But the duck is the star of the Important ads. Things we the, talk the, about the duck the is clearly the star of the ads. That's it for the Powercat Questions podcast, right? If you stuck around for this thing, you are a real one. Yeah, we went over an hour. We went over an hour, and we tried not to do that, but I had stuff to say, including I might have to go get some Tang Party. 
because there's nothing quite as sweet as a sour tang party. Huh? Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Power Cat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after the Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.